Back at the Spellman's, as Salem is getting ready for his date by <laughs> brushing his teeth and spitting mouthwash from, out. From this animatronic puppet. <laughs> yeah. I like to think that there's a hole in the back of Salem's puppet and some man's just put mouthwash and just blown it out his arse. Just... <laughs> 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 it's just gone... <laughs> and it's just fired out Salem's <laughs> mouth into the sink. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where three awesome and bulbous men uh, can talk about all 163 episodes of everyone's favourite witch-based teen family sitcom, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, as always, I'm your host and guide through this episode. My name is Phil Dean. To my right, a rather gobsmacked Chris Evans. How are you doing, Chris? Bulbous <laughs> Okay, exactly, yeah. That was just the first word that came to my mind. Uh, Graham to my left, Graham Riley, how are you? I'm, I'm feeling very bulbous indeed, Phil. I uh, can't wait for this. So we are up to episode 12 now. Thank you very much for joining us thus far. Boys, we are halfway through season one. It's flown by quite quickly, actually, I must say. Yes, it has. Yes, <laughs> definitely. That was a high-pitched voice to say, I'm getting some healing right now. Of exclamation rather than my voice breaking. That was just no, you know, it was quite a voice breaking. It wasn't because I couldn't just do it on cue. Well, yeah, time is, time is flown. It's, yeah, uh, yeah it's... Um, only feels like yesterday when we started doing this, um, and yeah, we're halfway through the series, and I'm really enjoying it. You know, like I think if this was a bad idea, I'd be really regretting it by now, and I'm not. So I'm still having a great time. Excellent. So. I'd just like to point out, Graham, it's twelve episodes. We've still got twelve episodes of this. Yeah, this uh, we've still got one hundred and fifty-one. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've still got the episodes in the. 2000s to go yeah, through. Yeah, we've got, uh, <laughs> we've got, we've got dark days of uh, yeah. 20 years. Let's enjoy it while we're while we're still in the 90s. Boys, welcome to 1997. Yay! Oh my days, it's 1997. Oh. We have broken through uh, and we are now uh, yeah in 1997, January 1997 to be precise. Uh, good nope. year so far, boys, do you reckon? Um, I reckon so, um, yeah. Uh, but I can't remember any of it, but... Tony Blair. Tony Blair's about to get in. Yeah. Shake hands with Noel Gallagher and all that. Um, that, that. That's as far as my knowledge of 1997. Yeah. Princess Diana's going to die. Yeah. Oh. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, well, the plus side. You know, We'll get Elton John in a silly wig playing at the funeral. Um, yeah, it's uh, going to be an interesting year. Very interesting year. So hopefully it's still an interesting year in regards to Sabrina's life. Um, and, well, we're kicking off 1997 in style with Trial by Fury. Um, brief synopsis of this episode is that uh, Hilda and Zelda help Sabrina teach uh, her mean old algebra teacher a lesson by putting him in front of a witch's courtroom. Mm. Hmm. And as we shockingly uh, became overjoyed last week, boys, we've met another teacher. We've learned another part of the school curriculum. I know, I, I'm just... When, when you mentioned Trial by Fury last week, I, I had something completely different in my mind. Oh. Tell, tell before we dive into this episode. Tell us what you believed it was going to be like. Well, trial trial by fury, put in front of a witch's courtroom, a witch's council, I genuinely thought it was just going to be a bunch of witches just dicking about with him. Okay. Like torturing him. Yeah. Yeah. That, that genuinely, <laughs> trial yeah. by fury, it's like, we're all furious, we're going to put you on trial, you're not going to see tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, well, that, I mean, they, I, they're still in front of... I guess it's nice because it's the uh, the witch judge that's put in place. Um, it's still the jury are still um, mortals. It's still set in the mortal realm, so it's a bit 
plausible, I guess. But what you're saying is it's not. It didn't pan out how you thought it would. Yeah, but then again, my mind is just completely far-fetched. Yes, yes. Um, and, and also your synopses. Oh, well, I know they're not your synopses, but they're quite misleading. Usually, so. <laughs> so the episode opens with Sabrina walking home to find Hilda, Zelda and Salem celebrating Cinco de Mayo, uh, dressing themselves and the house in Mexican tat. Yeah, a lot of cultural appropriation going on here. <laughs> yeah. no, um, no, 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 um, no uh, racist uh, accents and things, luckily, though. No, uh, yeah. I mean, educate me, boys. What... I don't really get what this is all about. It's, it's Cinco de Mayo. It's a Mexican festival of... It normally takes place on the 5th of May. Obviously, Cinco de Mayo is Spanish for yeah. 5th of May. It, they mentioned that it's not the 5th of May. It's like January when they're doing it. Yeah, well, something, it's because cause... everyone's down about the weather, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it would make sense that it's January because we were celebra- celebrating uh, Christmas last time out. Yeah. So... so, yeah, they're celebrating it. And as you say, no sort of racist jabs or remarks and stuff, which yeah. is nice. They're just eating it's... traditional food. We do and... get to hear Salem say Ariba, which is won- <laughs> wonderful. So... <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, so Sabrina acting a little uptight says she doesn't want to join in the party but with a sobrero and an ole she's game to which she samples the spicy salsa dip and breathes fire I'd just like to point out that Sabrina gave into peer pressure way too easily there she did uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to join in oh join in you uptight whore oh, okay. also, also you know bad parenting yeah Hildren Zelda terrible parenting I know leading her to eat that really hot salsa that's she could yeah. cause serious yeah. problems with that I mean that my first thing was when I saw it it was like oh cool so uh, witches now make salsa that is so hot it turns you into a fire breathing dragon um, so this time the uh, the credits are rolling in the theme and she's dressed as a jockey yeah, like equestrian. Yeah, yeah, like somebody doing the show jumping or something. Yeah, and she it's makes not clearly obvious. Some really terrible. Oh, that was a horrible joke. What was it? I can't even remember. It's, it something, was... it's something about horsing around or something like that. Yeah, oh, I, I removed really... it from my mind when I was something watching. Something really, it. really bad. These aren't good to the point where it's almost barely worth talking about them. They're so terrible. <laughs> Some of them, the makers just want to turn it off. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's, one of the, one it's one of those. I could go off on a massive rant, but then that'd be the entire podcast. So yeah, I'm just yeah. going to put a. We should maybe get to. She's dressed as a thing and makes a bad joke. Move on. <laughs> she dresses as a yeah. thing and says something. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so we're in school, and it's only bloody math class, boys. Finally, we see another area of the curriculum and another miserable, cranky, sarcastic teacher, Mr. Rothwell. The only difference between Mr. Rothwell and Mr. Poole is Mr. Rothwell is far too serious. Yeah. Mr. Poole takes everything with a grain of salt <laughs> and makes it into that sarcastic, funny, whereas Rothwell is just a huge dick. Well, Mr. Well, Mr. Poole, even through his crankiness, you can still see this really gen- sweet guy who genuinely likes doing, likes his job. Mr. Poole is self-deprecating, you know, he's like sort of like self-aware and everything, whereas Mr. Rothwell's like... An arrogant prick, basically. You know, he's yeah. like he's like super uptight, takes himself extremely seriously, thinks he's far too above teaching these uh, teenagers uh, math class. It's yeah, he's just similar to Mister Poole in his sort of his sort of his cynicism and his sort of you know despair. But there's there's no no sincerity, no sweet man behind it. He's yeah. just a prick. It's like he's there just because he's got nothing <clears throat> else to do. But you know, so he he thinks a lot. You know, highly of himself, yeah. um, and it shows a bit of a, a character as well. Like Mr. Poole, we've just seen him just this um, sort of daft, miserable guy, but um, we see that even just writing on this chalkboard, you know, he's wearing gloves yeah. and stuff, and he's sneezing furiously at the chalk. It's like he, this is he's allergic to teaching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this. This entire job is beneath him, but yeah, he's he's just reluctantly doing this job because 
the students need him in a way as such rather than he needs his job. Um, anyway, um, Sabrina questions the algebra and Mitchie's confused, uh, leading uh, Mr. Rothwell to set an impromptu test for tomorrow and everyone is furious. Anyway, we're at the Spellman's and we see Salem answering the phone, albeit just hitting his paw on a handset already lying face like, upon the bed. Like I said previously, Phil, I accept that he can answer the phone by pressing a button with his paw. Mm-hmm. What I couldn't accept is him being able to move said phone from one place to another. Lifting yeah. it from the receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Which just... is out in the hall, as we've seen. Mm. Yeah, That's all I will say on that. Otherwise, we'll just go off topic. Yeah, they should get red-faced and sweaty-browed, and yeah, this this could take all night. But for once, the call is actually for him. It is. Yeah, we've not had someone (laughs) call deliberately Salem before. Um, And um, who is on the phone but his his ex-girlfriend, apparently, called Shelley. Overjoyed, he sprints downstairs, seeming optimistic for once, and he wants to rekindle... uh, He says he wants thinks they want to rekindle their relationship, despite, Zelda says, um, walking out on him three decades ago. Yes. Oh, and she has no idea that he's a cat. Yes. Oh, Um, yeah, this was all BC. Before cat. Before cat. Very clever, Chris. Um, (laughs) They laughed before. It was a good joke. I should have saved it. Yeah. We we often talk and laugh through these episodes that maybe we should just watch it in silence and not say anything (laughs) until we hit record. Um, So, yeah, so Sane says, oh, is it that obvious? So, yeah, I think something's going to be a bit awry there. Uh, Suddenly, yeah, as I said, there's a thunderstorm clashing outside, but it's not Hilda causing it for once. It's Sabrina who is angry about the math test tomorrow. She storms off upstairs in a huff. Mm -hmm. Oh, mate. Oh, mate, I'm full of him today. Back at school, and Sabrina and Harvey... Well, Sabrina is studying. Harvey is just singing. Come on, everybody! Shake your whammy fanny funky song, funky song. Shake your whammy fanny funky song. Chris, are we going to have a repeat of the last yes. time this was on and you were refusing to sing it? Yes. Well, they sing it right at the end, so I would like you, seeing it's only twice in the entire episode, and we've not done it for a few weeks, please sing along at the end. It's going to get you riled up. It's going to get you pumped. It's an anthem. It certainly is. It's the only song that exists in this, uh, <laughs> in this world. Yeah, was so, it uh, the Brothers Crank? Oh, or the, Brothers Chunk or something like that. Isn't it? Yeah, Bro- Brothers, Brothers Chunk, that's Brothers right. Brothers Chunk, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they start singing that. And uh, Sabrina complains it's going to be stuck in her head during the whole test and she's not going to be able to concentrate. Um, she asks Harvey to stop singing it but she can kind of feel that he's singing it in his head. Yeah, I've had those moments. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, everyone's had those moments. It's like, st- stop thinking that. Yeah, and I can, I can hear you think right now. Yeah, and, and well, I mean, it's obviously shaking his head around a little bit. And, um, and his whammy fanny as well. <laughs> yeah. Harvey just asks if he can sing the last verse, so he does with quite a lot of enthusiasm. Um, but ultimately, she asks him to stop making any noises so she can concentrate. He then, oh, he tries to then flip the pages of his book really, really quietly. Aww. We're quite strained. He's really concerned. He's, he's concentrating. So, he, he's it was so like, con- I don't... Sabrina's basically telling him to shut up and be quiet. In yeah. the most... I, in, the mo- in, in a kind way. That, but essentially, that's what she's doing. Mm. And in, in Harvey's mind, even turning a page... Is too loud and too distracting for the person that we think he loves. We still we're we still unsure about that. Together, yeah, yeah. Um, so he does it in such a way that he like is using fingertips. He's trying to do it all in one, and then she just turns around and snarks at him. You can turn the page, and it's like. 
Be appreciative <laughs> of what this young man is doing for you. He is literally trying to not make a sound. If you said his breathing was too loud, he would have held his breath. <laughs> he would, yeah. He probably he would, would, actually, yeah. He's... Um, probably best way to describe Harvey um, when he does uh, things like this considerate to a fault yes, yes. yeah no perfect so um, yeah as you can see yeah, we, we get quite um, quite into this whole we're very protective of Harvey protective we keep Harvey. saying this every week we're very protective over him because once per episode he'll do something like this which is just so like I don't know so, so caring, so caring, and so sweet, and more often, more often than not, he'll be mocked for it in some way by the other characters. And yeah, yeah but in fairness, what he does do is quite idiotic. Oh, it, it, but, it, it is idiotic, but you should just be like, "Oh, Harvey, you don't need to do that." You know, yeah, you know, just try to break. Yeah, um, you no, know, she's worked up because yeah, of this test that, that this test in a subject she hates that she can't do, and ultimately she kind of caused it to happen. Really, you know, yeah. this test is is only happening because of her. Um, anyway, in the school corridor, it's not just Sabrina who's pa- panicking, but also Gordy. He's returned, looking notably less geeky than before. Yeah, I think they just sort of thought this actor's pretty good. We don't want him to play that much of a character. Mm. We just want him to be sort of just somebody with some lines that can help uh, flesh out the plot a bit, like uh, we saw um, Melissa Joan Hart's sister playing a similar character um, in an earlier episode, um, and she. Pops up as a background character in this one as well. Yeah, he's, he's just sort of he's just classmate now, yeah. isn't he? Um, anyway, he starts panicking that they haven't prepared for the test, and he says, "If only we had more time." And Sabrina then has an idea, and she freezes time. Got an issue with that? Of course you have, Chris. Tell us. All right, Sabrina had to apply for special permission from the witches' council in the pilot episode to turn back time. Yes. So from that, we can learn. That the witches have to abide by the law of time. Yes. And time is constant. Right? Mm-hmm. So, why is she allowed to freeze time? Maybe it's just temporarily. Like, you could cause almost as much chaos freezing time so you can move around and do shit no one else can. Exactly. That's by turning it back. I mean, hopefully it's, it's because she's actually thinking about it. Because she could, if you find out she's panicking at this test, she could, we thought, she could freeze time and have all the time in the world she wants to finish this test and get the answers, but she chooses not to. Do you reckon that's just because, even though she only did it a couple of minutes ago, she's forgotten that, oh yeah, I can freeze time? Or, in a similar fashion to Hilda a few episodes ago, she's held back and she's like, no, I can do this for myself. Maybe, but what I do know is, the scene in which she freezes time is so unnecessary (laughs) that they could have just left it out and not raised these um, difficult questions and these logic holes. Yeah, Yeah, because she says, like, um, she says, oh, I've got an idea. She freezes time, sits on the floor for a matter of seconds, flicks through a textbook, and comes up with the solution of one question that Gordy asked, and that's it, everything's fine. Maybe you can freeze time for, like, only a few seconds at a time. Maybe that's it. Well, here's a here's a better question, right, chaps? What about she can't freeze time? Okay, time continues, but she only freezes people, but only people in her immediate vicinity. That would create like sort of real sort of peaks and valleys of people be moving in different times for everybody else. Yeah, no, that like paradox. That's that's what I mean. If she's freezing time, is she freezing the entire planet? Or is she just freezing that one town? Or is she just freezing the school? Or is she just freezing that corridor? Too many questions. Too many variables. Nobody knows. Too many things making Chris, Graham and myself very angry. (laughs) Yeah. 
just a unnecessary scene. Yeah, but well, anyway, we're, we're you know we're getting too worked up about just something. But ultimately, no, it, ultimately, it shouldn't. Have, it didn't need to be there. It didn't need it? to be there because again, it just raises uh, questions. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Gordy says, "Oh my God, look at the time we've got to go." They run into the class to arrive there with just three seconds left before Mr. Rothwell slams the door in Emma's face. She uh, she's returned only to be deni- uh, denied a grade for being late or helping a girl in a wheelchair, as Gordy says. Yeah. So she was being a better person, but yeah, she's getting F to show for it. Uh, Mr. Rothwell sets the test, and Sabrina instantly falls out of her chair to pick up her pencil, which results in her sitting right next to him so she can't cheat. Yes. She then says, boys, I've never cheated on a test in my life. I don't believe that. Well, I mean, if she's learnt her lessons about sort of morals and magic... Uh, from uh, previous episodes, and hopefully that's true. She's been taught a lot of lessons about morals and magic, um, and she hopefully has learnt from them. That sort of, if she was being honest, who knows? That's quite comforting. Yeah. Granted, it wasn't what you would call a standard test with an examination paper, but she did cheat to win the championship yeah. of the karate. Yeah. And, to win, an Olympic, and to win an Olympic medal. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and technically, that's still a test. That's a test of your skill in that area. It's kind of like, if she'd written it down, it'd say, I've never cheated in a test in my life with a little asterisk next to it and a little footnote. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe paper test in school. However, I have cheated in exactly. this, that, and in the other. In yeah. physical challenges, she has cheated. Yeah. Yeah. In written tests, we don't know. Don't know. But I'm, you know, I'm, saying, I'm putting a lot of faith in Sabrina saying that. I kind of believe you to a very, uh, yeah, a bit, bit of a grey area there. Really. Um, she starts the test and we hear her intense inner thoughts, which are a mix of Harvey singing Funky Song, uh, remarking on the loudness of the pencils and how much she hates Mr. Rothwell. Suddenly the bell rings and she's out of time. Where's all that time gone? And she seemingly doesn't have much written down. No. Hmm. We're going to get to those results later. Uh, Back at the Spellmans, and Sabrina is seemingly making a potion of some sort. Then add one macadamia nut, she says, and he will have an expanding butt. Yes. So nice little Dr. Zeus sort of spell there. I did find that funny. Yeah, well, the expanding butt spell is is really, really, really stupid. But it got laughs out of us each time yeah, we saw it. it, it, it. <laughs> so she's made this expanding butt. Hilda runs in here in an explosion, only to find that it's just Sabrina stirring up some revenge potions. Uh, Sabrina tells her she's making expanding butt until she can find the perfect spell. Hilda suggests the one that's called Just Desserts, which the blurb says, boys, the spell that guarantees he'll get what's coming to him. Mm. Mm. So Hilda, though, says, as, as tempting as that can be, it's a potion which should only be used as a last resort, and she must deal with him the mortal way, which is talking. Sabrina, being the awkward teenager that she is, doesn't want to do that and encourages Hilda to go. Doesn't go too well, does it? No. No, but Hilda... Hilda has shown an interest in Sabrina's school life. I am taking that as a huge positive. I yeah. am giving that a little little thumbs up well to Hilda. Hilda. In, until I found out that it was only to further the plot so that it was actually <laughs> Hilda and Sabrina that would then make a potion and Zelda goes to talk to I mean, so Sabrina like, could mm. Sabrina could have easily said like um Oh, it's fine, Aunt Hilda. I'll ask Aunt Zelda. But yeah. no, she, she she encouraged Hilda to go, and she didn't seem to put up a, a fight or whatever. She just she just went along, introduced herself. Hi, I'm Miss Spellman, Sabrina's aunt. I want to talk to you about 
um, the paper that she did because um, uh, she's worried that she's failed, but I don't think she has because I know she's a hardworking student. She studies really late. And then she gets handed the paper uh, and she's her hardworking niece got an F. He, uh, Mr. Rothwell then gets up from his chair to critique her paper, um, to which Hilda and we notice his massively expanded buttocks. Now that is a whammy fanny. <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. Yeah, maybe that's the reason they ding that song, maybe. Maybe. Well, whammy fanny. Um, of course, because uh, in the States, a fanny is not the fanny we know here in the UK, is it? It's, yeah, as uh, Keith uh, says in the office, it's uh, your arse, not your minge. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so she laughs. Oh, um, is that why it's called a fanny pack? Yeah. Oh, is, it, is it meant to go... Well, it's a bum bag, yeah. It's a bum bag, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so even uh, though it's still yeah. not a bank that typically goes... Attaches onto bum. Yeah, we call it bum bag. They call it a fanny pack. Yeah, I called it a pouch, mate. Pouch. Yeah, it's probably just me, isn't it? Yeah, I'm trying to think of something that you could put in a pouch. Obviously, like bum bag, it's quite catchy. Penis fanny pouch. pack. Pel- pelvis pouch. A pelvis, pelvis pouch. pouch. Yeah. That's good. Um, so uh, yeah, she laughs um, at his expanded butt, but then she's immediately belittled by Mr. Rothwell, leaving her upset and panicking that she didn't have time to revise for this meeting. <laughs> funny. Uh, we then cut back home and Hilda and Sabrina are making a super duper gross potion in a massive cauldron uh, it was a number two cauldron a number two cauldron yes um, so we learned there's, there's a few different sizes um, Zelda walks in and says mmm what smells so sweet revenge oh, oh very good I, I like that little nod I like yeah, that little note. It was like that with Mando, wasn't it? Like the personality glaze. Oh, yeah, yeah. Something smells handsome. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they do. They've got some good jokes about fragrances and tastes, haven't they? So, Serena explains that it's time to teach Mr. Rothwell a lesson. So, she's going to make the just desserts potion. Zelda, though, insists there's another way and goes to talk to him herself. Believing that, as she says, a physicist to algebra teacher, we will work this out logically. Zelda then leaves, and Hilda supports and encourages Sabrina's request to make his butt bigger in the meantime. <laughs> so again, she's showing encouragement and interest in Sabrina's teenage life, which she's already expressed uh, multiple times that's a bit complicated and stupid at times. Yeah. Yeah. But she's, you know, she says, can I at least make his butt bigger? And she's like, you can make it as big as you want. <laughs> which is very sweet. Um, so we back at school, and uh, Zelda, though a brainiac, is also getting belittled by mean old Mr. Rothwell, who uh, suggests that, in well, in his own words, he says like the the reason why she's failing a test is because she's got problems at home. That maybe the reason she can't solve this hardcore algebra is because she comes from a dysfunctional family. Oh. And when Zelda raises questions, he says, "Tell it to a social worker." This this man is just you know. Quite often, you know, obviously we've had villainous characters in uh, these episodes and, uh, you know, usually get some sort of comeuppance, as does he. I think he's probably the nastiest piece of work we've dealt with so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously Libby has said some awful, awful but things. Lib- I mean, I still don't think anything Miss Rothoff says matches Libby's what, um, when Sabrina asked her, it's episode two, I think, um, what have we ever done to you? And she goes, you're breathing. You're breathing, aren't you? Like, I mean, that's all. Yeah. But, Libby is young and can learn. This guy's got into his like maybe it's about fifty years of age and is is, is still behaving that way. Yeah, um, but that's yeah, that's awful. Especially when he's got like no no evidence or yeah. reason to believe that. He's just thinking, oh, you can't solve this awkward uh, he- algebra. I mean, and the algebra was fucking difficult. We paused it on the paper. I don't those... understand a bloody word. It, Some of those it could questions. be nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> to be yeah, yeah. In fairness, it could be nonsense. We, but at the same I mean, time, it was just. 
I have no idea. Yeah. It's not high school level algebra, that's for certain. Yeah, it's things like if A equals 38.54 and Y is um, N negative 2 to the power of 15, what is H in the equation of 34.56? Something like that, like just questions of just absolute gibberish that well, I mean, someone's we, probably listening to this and going that's fucking easy it's seven yeah. <laughs> like we don't know oh, we, 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 well yeah well I mean I, I like to think that we are semi-intelligent oh yeah no, yeah, we, we, not we mathematically are. at least not, I'm not anyway. <laughs> yeah I was quite good at I was quite good at maths and fairly alright at but physics, but I think only because I had good teachers in them. I'm not. Specific. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not, saying not that we're not. Yeah. We're not completely. <laughs> we're not stupid. No, but yeah, yeah. Like, but we might be recording a podcast about Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but you know, we're all there hmm. for the most part. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is absolute nonsense. So uh, yeah, he says you know the reason she's not clever is because um, she comes from a crap family, which is yeah, really, really horrible thing to say. Uh, he gets up and leaves um, to go to the gym apparently because he needs to tighten up that ass, which so. is now of an even bigger yeah. comedic yeah. size. And I will just say this, and I, I, I hate myself for saying it, but um, it put Nicki Minaj to shame. It did. Oh, he definitely it did. did yeah. yeah. I wonder how much that could be insured for if he kept it. So. I, I don't know. Would it include contents? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's full of shit already. Isn't yeah. he? I don't think it matters. <laughs> but uh, what? What? The thing about that scene that made his laugh is you notice that um, that Miss Rothwell's um, butt has got uh, has expanded bigger because uh, the camera is kind of low down to catch Zelda sitting at a desk and he kind of walks past and it fills up <laughs> almost the entire yeah. screen, doesn't it? And this, I mean, we've not mentioned it yet, but Mister Rothwell is uh, the, the actor who plays him. I forget his name. It's, it's uh, Ed Begley Jr. Ed Begley Jr. He is a very successful, serious actor. An Emmy Award winner, you told me, for yes. his, uh, his role in uh, St. Elsewhere, where he played Dr. Victor Ehrlich. Yeah, as if that's what we think is. Yeah, well, uh, Lick, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, so this is a guy that was on most TV sets um, in the 1980s. Yeah. Like, you know, huge role, like I said, multiple award winning through the whole duration of it. Um, he's played other notable roles, big roles sort of throughout the years, but yeah. this guy is a serious actor and he's just I think walking, can... walking around as still a serious character but with a massive ass. I know. He's a very good sport but I think you can see in the performance he gives yeah. um, particularly when we get to the trial scenes as we will in a little while um, the performance he gives you can see he has some serious acting chops and I think that brings more to the role um, than um, a, a comedy actor would have done. Yeah, and it's much better to have had a completely different character than maybe have Mr. Poole do it. I think this wouldn't have done yeah. good for Mr. Poole's character, mm. really. So it's nice that we've uh, found someone who is just an awful, awful person. Um, so back at home, all three Spellman witches are dressed like actual witches. Um, I, all dressed yeah. exactly how I imagined they would dress as witches. Yeah. Sort of perfecting the revenge potion in a... I was going to say massive cauldron, but it wasn't, Chris, was it? What What was the number that they gave this? It cauldron? was a number ten cauldron. A number ten cauldron. The I, I suppose the biggest one you can get. Maybe. Mm. We don't know what it's out of. No. But I, I'm I'm just saying it, the 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 number ten cauldron was what you would imagine three witches to be gathered around. Yeah, yeah. it's probably what was what they used in uh, you know. Well, we three meet witches well, meet again. They they do that exact spell when they're doing the the yes. Macbeth when they're doing the uh, making this potion here. Yeah, and it's the um, yeah, it's the second time they've quoted Shakespeare or mentioned. Uh, yeah. William Shakespeare with the Oster Riches, isn't it? They speak the spell, they wave their hands and stir the pots, leading to a thunderstrike and Hilda and Zelda to cackle, which Sabrina can't believe because it's so 
I think kind of it breaks away a little bit that she's surprised by the fact that Hildenzeld actually cackled because that's it, what witches are known for doing. Yeah, it just shows that they've been suppress not suppressing, but suppressing their witchiness mm. to survive and live in the mortal realm. So they have finally got out the big number 10 cauldron and let loose. So the yeah. cackle is totally necessary. I love how Sabrina's like delighted because she wouldn't have known necessarily <laughs> that, that witches do occasionally behave like she, you know, had read in books and seen yeah. in films yeah, uh, witches behaving. She, she's pleased that being a real witch does afford you the opportunity every so often when the... Um, Situation calls for it to uh, quote Shakespeare, uh, wear black, uh, stir a massive cauldron, and cackle. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we're back in math class anyway because um, Sabrina says, "Oh, what will happen to him?" And uh, Hildenzell will say, "Oh, just wait." I look forward to it. So we're back in math class, and Gordy comments on how late Mr. Rothwell is, speculating he's probably having car trouble. Then Sabrina says, "Oh, I just hope the ground has opened up and swallowed him." Fucking hell! <laughs> I know you hate this man, but oh, don't. Don't wish death upon yeah. him. Even that's that's a little too. Well, much. Gordy is rather appalled. <laughs> yeah, Gordy is. Yeah, he's, he's, he right seems so. quite visibly quite upset about it. Um, he arrives. Uh, that's Mr. Rothwell. Uh, arrives angrily and reveals that he's just received his first ever speeding ticket, leading to Sabrina to be quite upset by the lame punishment and that he's probably going to weasel out of it in court. She says. However, Exelda explains that. Oh well, he's in court. This is the Just Desserts potion working. He will get what's coming to him when we go to court. Um, the then she, Zelda as well then says to Hilda, oh, well, let's hurry up and get some good seats. Yes. They want to watch this man break down, possibly in court. Have we got to Salem's car yet? <laughs> no. Uh, he's just come in now. Oh, right. Okay. So, <laughs> I've got something to say about this as well. So, we hear a little... And Salem comes in this... Really tiny car. That's, the cat looks confused as hell. Yeah. The, the cat is just sat in this cat and he's like going, Whoa, yeah, look, check me out. He says, check me out in my Lamborghini. Oh, this this will impress Shelley. Now, the, the thing I have about this, he clearly says this is my, look at this Lamborghini. If it was, a, if it was one he'd made up, it'd be called something else. Which insists he's bought a small car fit for a cat. Yes, because he can't do magic. No. So he couldn't possibly magic magic it up anyway. So, he, yeah, he has possibly ordered one over the phone, maybe. <laughs> yeah. um, or on Zelda's laptop or something. You know, he ordered, um, yeah, a uh, presumably designed for children, but also <laughs> yeah. able to uh, accommodate a cat, uh, this um, Lamborghini toy car. And as you say, um, he's because he's not on a surface that puppeteers can crouch behind or inside <laughs> yeah. of, they use a real cat for this scene. And said cat is just sort of... Bewildered, just bewildered, looking around, smacking his lips, like, "Why the hell am I moving in this <laughs> yeah. uh, this little uh, yeah. contraption?" But I just, I, I don't think we've actually ever mentioned this, but the cat that they have to play real life Salem cat is so well trained. Yes, it oh, ma- yeah. amazingly so. We should have brought it up before. Yeah, yeah. yeah, in every episode where they've used the cat a lot, especially in uh, the last episode, episode eleven, features a lot of Salem climbing into bags and yeah. stuff, and it's just—I mean, we don't know how many takes it took, but. Yeah, this cat is very, very well behaved. Yeah. So Salem, in his swanky red Lamborghini, says this car, he reckons, will impress Shelley, his ex-girlfriend, who is supposed to be coming over soon. Hilda agrees, at least if he loses the paws, whiskers and the fur. But Salem looks like a pure boss as he drives away. 
Again, <laughs> bemused, but like that cat is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Having the time of his life. We're at the courtroom, um, and which I totally expected, to be honest, boys, to be the cafeteria again. But I think <laughs> it's a bit different. It's a different set. Uh, and we see a chap that's trying to get out of running a red light. The lenient judge halves his sentence, which makes Mr. Rothwell's ears prick up. I want that judge, he says. He's easy. And it's at that point that the chap turns round and addresses Mr. Rothwell, revealing to him that he's a former student of his called Clifford Weaver, a successful novelist who wrote Rage Against the System, yeah. a book, Mr. Rothwell says, he enjoyed because it was so full of hate. Yes. Um, so Clifford Weaver, the guy who plays him, has done an awful lot, but it's his name, if anything. Yes, yeah, he's, he's more of a voice actor than a yeah, an on-screen um on screen actor uh, he's been in quite a few uh, cartoons and things but what we really want to talk about is that he goes by the moniker Bumper Robinson now he didn't have well he did have cruel parents but not so cruel that they actually called their son Bumper as his uh, birth name no he was accident prone as a child apparently so his dad used to call him Bumper uh, and he considered that appropriate to carry into his, uh, his professional career yeah so uh, see that on posters or on the red carpet would you yeah. best lead out to Bumper Robinson didn't really think about that through but yes so this is Clifford uh, Weaver a successful as we said uh, ang- young angry writer anyway the Spellmans arrive in court and hear a thunder strike like the linen closet at the uh, cupboard at the back of the uh, judge's room which means that something is there for them in that large freezer it just so happens it turns out, boys, that the witch judges take turns in the deep freeze to prevent media bias. Yes. And this particular judge, uh, Judge Samuels, has been in there since 1956. I'd just like to point out... Yes, Chris, please do point that out. That that is a cracking idea. Very, very <laughs> clever. It really is. You know what? If we could put politicians, judges... And all, like, the higher-ups, and they all take time in a cryogenic freezer so that they're not manipulated by the press, I think we would live in a much better society than we I do today. So, yeah. They'd all be dead, though. <laughs> yeah, they'd be dead and cold. Yeah, they? yeah. So. Again, might be a better society. Whoa! Revolution, <laughs> revolution, revolution! <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah, inside this is, is Judge Samuels, played by... Henry Gibson! Um, and so Henry Gibson has been in yeah, various things, um, particularly in the 70s. Um, I only really knew him as he plays the priest in Wedding Crashes. He does. Um, he's, he's best known uh, apparently for Rowan and Martin's Laughing, which was a big uh, sketch show in the uh, 60s and 70s. Um, and he was in Blues Brothers. Oh, yes, he was, yeah. And he played a judge in Boston Legal, as did a lot of people, but the point is he's playing a judge here as well. Yes, yeah. I, oh, I, and, and he's, he's dead. I think he's the first... <laughs> <laughs> Sure, there's better ways to say that. <laughs> I, 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 you didn't have to sound so excited. <laughs> and he's dead. <laughs> I'm, I'm going with that one. And he's dead, which um, makes him, I believe, as far as we're aware, in terms of people who've played prominent roles in uh, the show so far, the first uh, actor who sadly is no longer with us. Yes. So, uh, so thank you very much for uh, for everything you contributed to this episode, uh, the late great Henry. Um, so the um, after they've arrived in court and they've woken up uh, Judge Samuels, uh, he wakes up, drinks a cup of cocoa, and goes to business. He addresses the court and brings, as we find out, Jeremy Rothwell is his name to the stand, who's been charged with not only driving at an unsafe speed, but for multiple counts of being mean and unfair. <laughs> uh, he pleads not guilty, so it goes to the prosecution. Or Zelda, as it turns out, who's fighting for the people. Uh, She beckons Clifford Weaver to the stand, and everybody gasps. (gasps) 
I would have liked you to have uh, joined him with oh! the guests. Oh, was that, uh, was that one of those kind moments? Of, yeah, just kind of like a studio audience. So, oh, okay, yeah, So yeah, yeah, he yeah. begs Clifford Weaver to the stand. <gasps> like that. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> she beckons Clifford Weaver to the stand, and everyone gasps. <gasps> Worth it. First time. Um, Back at the Spellman's, as Salem is getting ready for his date by (laughs) brushing his teeth and spitting mouthwash out. From this animatronic puppet. (laughs) This green mouthwash just goes... (laughs) I'm just saying now, electrics, liquid, not a good combination there. I like to think that there's a hole in the back of Salem's puppet and some man's just put mouthwash and just blown it out his arse. Just... He's just going, oh, and then going, and it's just fired out Salem's <laughs> mouth into the sink. <laughs> sort of like, like mini golf. Like but crazy. anyway, Salem occasionally a bit terrifying, and uh, this is one of those situations. Yeah. Um, so we're back in court after that brief cutaway, and uh, Clifford Weaver reaches the end of his testimony, only to then be cross-examined incredibly well by Mr. Rothwell, who insists that the only reason uh, this uh, Clifford Weaver is successful is because he was mean to him, because he fueled him with all the hate that uh, made him become such a successful, uh, young, angry writer. He becomes furious, so furious, in fact, that he runs off to write his second angry novel. (laughs) He goes, I've never been so angry in my life! That's my second book! (laughs) And he just runs off. Nice little cameo. Yeah, very, very good. So the prosecution looks shaky, but they decide to call up the arresting officer. Everyone gasps! (gasps) Hilda questions and flirts as we see, the, with the police officer, who confirms that Rothwell broke the law and was mean to him. Zelda then calls her next witness, Sabrina, to the stand. Everyone gasps. <gasps> she tells the court Mr. Rothwell's unfairness lies only in the hearts and minds of those students whose love of math he has destroyed. Oh. So philosophical exactly. and deep, man. Because Which... that comes from is the judge, uh, Samuel, says, where's your proof? Proof, we need evidence. And she says, well, there isn't any. It's all, it all lies in the hearts and minds of students being terrorised by this bloke. Um, she says that there's a fair chance that for the rest of her life, she will fear math, she says. So the prosecution rests and Mr. Rothwell gives his closing statement. Now, Graham, I assume you were referring to this when he says, even though he's playing a man with an expanding butt, <laughs> his very serious uh, good acting does have a chance to, yes. to shine through. And I've, uh, I've written down his entire closing statement oh, to my. read. So I'm going to try and perform it as best as I can. Your Honour, I'm not a babysitter. I'm paid to teach math and that is what I do. Yes, I could be more sensitive, but let's face it, the world is full of people like me. People who choose favourites, people who don't accept excuses, people who are unfair. Well, life is unfair, and I'm just helping my students to get used to that. And with that, the judge goes to make his decision. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very well delivered. It's a nice uh, by him, not you. It's, uh, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice uh, monologue. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it shows that you know, even though this guy is really mean, and uh, I mean, really mean, almost unfairly mean, making the the jabs about Sabrina's poor ed, poor education comes from home and yada yada, but. It, it makes ca- sense. Mate. It makes sense in terms of why he's chosen to be like this, rather yeah. than like why Mister Poole's more like him. He's just thinking, well, if I don't pick on these students in a way that they're they're going to grow up soft, I guess. Yeah. Like it's and they do. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, you've got to be cruel to be kind. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yes, yeah, so the, the judge goes to make his decision. 
Um, we cut back home as well, and Salem is getting ready for his romantic reunion with flowers, soft lights, and sexy music. Ooh. Ooh. Getting it on. The pussy's out. Uh, the judge comes to a decision, uh, and he finds Mr. Rothwell not guilty of being mean due to lack of real evidence. But he does find him guilty of speeding. Here's a question. Yes. Yeah. In a trial over is somebody mean or not, <laughs> do they apply the same criteria for evidence that they do to, say, speeding? Because I don't think anyone would ever be convicted. <laughs> People told stories about him being mean, and that's pretty much all the evidence you can give. <laughs> yeah. Or was his monologue just that devastatingly good that, based on that, he found him not guilty? Well, nowadays it's completely different because we've got archived messages, saved messages, Facebook, mm. That's trolls. true, actually, yeah. yeah. So if you want to say that someone's being mean to you, you there will there is evidence yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I guess so, the only way she could have shown that he was mean if she had, like, ruler marks across her face <laughs> or something like that, yeah. That's that's a, that's, a, that's a crime in itself. Though. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that's not being mean. That is that's <laughs> assault. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's assault, mate. Yeah. So yeah. basically, the only way he could have gone down for being mean is if he assaulted Sabrina and the rest of his students, or if he was mean during the trial to somebody. Oh yeah, that'd be, that'd be uh... yeah. But no, he yeah is uh, is good. A closing statement must have been good enough to yeah. uh, to appease Judge Samuels. But Judge Samuels says he's going to waiver the usual forty dollar fine, which. That's nothing. That is peanuts. If yeah. I got a speeding ticket for, for 40, 40 quid, I'd just be like, dodge that bullet. Yeah. But yeah, so he waivers the $40 fine and instead sentences him to a lifetime of teaching algebra. No. Rothwell then gets sucked into a portal of some kind and gets overwhelmed by board wipers and pencils. <laughs> like, it's just, no. And then all these things start flying Again, around. Again, I'm... Like the last episode with Sabrina and the doors closing mm. all around her. Again, it was just... It was a pointless thing. It didn't do anything. It was poorly put together. Yeah, it was... From all, like, the magic and the special effects that we've seen so far. I mean, Libby into a watermelon and watermelon into Libby and the bigger a- apple into a even, bigger apple. Even Coolio and... jumping out of a poster in the last episode. Yeah, yeah. even Coolio jumping out of a poster. I just... That it just it infuriates me when I know that they can do so much better. That's true, yeah. actually. For some, mm. a show that has such fucking phenomenal effects, like sequences like this, really let you down. In a typical nineties TV show, yeah, um, of this nature, you'd be like, fine, but we, yeah, we know they can do better. We know that this has an above average, yeah, uh, special effects team. If it was Saved by the Bell, yeah. I'd let yeah. it slide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, we made better stuff here. But yeah, no, it is. Yeah, I guess it is. I think it's too. Trash too hard to be special effects. He could yeah. have just been. He could have just said like going, "Oh no!" Oh, he didn't really need the whole weird traveling through time and space no. um, to reiterate the point that yeah, he's going to be a teacher for the rest of his life. Because uh, that comes from Judge Samuels actually asking him, um, "Mr. Rothwell, do you want to be a teacher for the rest of your life?" And he goes, "Oh no, I want to start my own software company." Which so I'd like to call on the that's so nineties on this one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, software companies in the 90s, that's where it was going. It was like, the internet, it's going to be a thing. And everyone's yeah. like, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. And I'm going to ride that wave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't divulge into uh, what this software company is going to be about, but he says he's going to put all his money into it. Yeah. And he's just going to make software. It's like, it's just being sort of vague, like when uh, Edward Spellman says... Um, Oh, so Sabrina says, I thought you worked for the Foreign oh, the Service. This is like, I'm going to make a software company. Software yeah. for for what? Well, no deal question, it because computers are just 
you and yeah. nothing. So it's magic. So, yeah. so yeah, well done, Chris. You, you can start this one if you want. So um, I did twice. Well, we're going to get some software companies of this week. That's so nineties. That's so nineties. That is so nineties. Are we going to do like a Room 101 thing where we're, we're going to keep record of everything that's been locked in our That's So 90s oh, vault? Oh, and uh, vote on the 90s-est thing at the end. Yeah, we I think do. that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. let's do that. Okay. Yeah, the yeah. 90s-est thing of each uh, series. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. do that. Yeah, well, uh, cool. And we can put it up on a, a, a vote online or something yeah. like that. That'd be good. Um, so, yeah, he's been sentenced to uh, teach algebra for the rest of his life, which actually begs the question, do you think he's going to stay at that age at that point in his life simply teaching algebra for the rest of his life? Or he's still going to age and he's and he's going to teach algebra until he dies algebra until he dies yeah, algebra until he, until he dies so that means he won't get to retire like it oh, could be this, like 90 year old man still teaching algebra yeah if he yeah, literally drops dead like Tommy Cooper just drops dead yeah. just in the middle of not that Tommy Cooper was teaching algebra when he died but like, <laughs> just te- just dying doing what he does like blimey well Sabrina questions actually she says that's not really punishment if he's remaining a teacher because that means students will have to interact him, uh, interact with him year after year Zelda explains that it's Rothwell's idea of hell. He simply doesn't want to teach algebra. Yeah, he's being forced to, so it is a, the worst punishment he could possibly receive. Yeah. And with that, Sabrina shouldn't let him bother her. Uh, she'll pass algebra and then forget about it and him, ultimately. So it begs question, you know, well, it brings the point back. Uh, as much as you might stress in school, most of the stuff you learn, you don't need, no. depending on what you want to do. So just get through it, forget it. It's never once been important to me in adult life how Oxbow Lakes are formed. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, back home, and Salem is perched on the couch or on the shoulder of a mannequin with the light switched off. Uh, The the mannequin as well is fully dressed. He's got Uh, um, like a trilby hat on, like low down over his face. Yeah, he's dressed in a suit, kind of like Michael Jackson from like Smooth Criminals. Yeah, and I'd also like to point out that it has got a glass in its hand as well. (laughs) Yeah, like he's he's proper chill. Um, Shelley walks in and by God is she fine. Oh my heavens above, my good people. And um, why, why might that be? Well, she's not just a model she well, she, she is she is swimsuit model swimsuit model um, and she is possibly or well I'll see what you guys think the biggest and most successful guest star in the entire show definitely at this point I mean we, we talked about Penn Jillette maybe being more successful Penn and Teller massive massive international act but, um, yeah, uh, Kathy Ireland we're speaking of here, much more known as a model than an actress, I think. Um, she had been on the cover of, you know, a lot of sort of like men's type magazines like Sports Illustrated, as we've uh, said, um, during the uh, late 80s and early 90s. But by this point, she'd began, uh, begun, sorry, her career in business with her own uh, marketing company, Kathy Ireland International. Um, it was uh, starting to, you know, sort of make some headway, sort of, you know, sort of build um, momentum at this point. However, as we speak now, Miss Cathy Island has a net worth of $450 million. She is a legit business mogul. Yeah. Congratulations. Wow. That that deserves a round of applause for old Cathy Island. Well Cathy, well done. Well done. Well done. Well done. Gives, gives, gives us... Give us money. Yeah, because um, we, because I mean, initially we we like to try and research on the guest stars and stuff. It was what alerted us to this is really because she's the first name that comes on on the credits for guest stars, and we thought, oh well, maybe she must be a bigger deal than her IMDb page is giving off. And yeah, suddenly when you look further than that, you're thinking, wow, this this woman is 
huge. Like, yeah. Oh my god. Um, she's not huge. She's in great shape. Oh, yeah, she's um, fabulous. Oh, she, yeah. oh, she's, yeah. tall. she's tall. She's tall. Though when the models <laughs> up and out. Um, Salem insists that she sits away from him and they just talk seriously. <laughs> to which Shelley replies, "Well, that's not like you." So <laughs> let's face it, Salem was a bit of a dog. Ironic <laughs> yeah, being a cat. So Shelley explains that she broke up with him because Salem was too consumed with global conquest and that she resented uh, taking a back seat to his world domination. <laughs> Which I think is a fair point. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Because at the end of the day, if a woman like that, if I was dating a woman that looked like that, and I was more concerned with something else, something would be wrong with me. Yeah. Something would be very wrong with me. I should have been more concerned about the attractive woman sat next to me on the couch that wanted to take me, hold me, and be nasty. Yeah. So me. it's understandable that Shelley, someone. Um, who is being invaded by Salem is too busy concentrating on invading other things. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, I'd also like to point out at this point, because I'm a huge pervert. Yes. Um, when Shelley sits down on the sofa, you can totally see her underwear. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, it's not necessarily being a pervert. It's not like we were looking for it. You could see no, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a bit short, that, uh, that outfit. But, um, yeah, obviously, it's she split up with him 30 years ago uh, because of this. So she's, she's a witch, right? Gotta be. Yeah, because she is only like 30 years old at most, yeah. so yeah, but yeah. So she's definitely a witch. Um, yeah, so she says that after 30 years she's realised that she loves him. She demands him to hold her. Um, so, uh, Salem jumps onto her, thus revealing that he is indeed the cat. <laughs> Uh, he explains what happened to him and that he's a better man for it because he likes to snuggle. He has great night vision and he's super, super clean. She leaves. She leaves after saying, I loved you. Brutal. And, and Salem then just cries. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a standard Salem just sneak the car going. <laughs> but, um, yeah, more horrible like torment for poor Salem. You know, he had this beautiful woman who was in love with him. That broke up with him, not the way around. Yeah, that broke up with him, so that broke his heart. And she was clearly willing to give him another chance. He could have had her back in his life, but he's a cat, so she maybe... Maybe Shelley leaving Salem was the final nail in the coffin for world domination, which led to being turned into a cat. So if anything, it's actually Shelley's fault. Oh, maybe he was yeah. just planning it. He was just planning it, realising that maybe it maybe wasn't going to really work. He hadn't factored everything in. Shelley breaks up with him. That was it. 100% focus yeah. on world domination. I mean, Maybe Shelley was the last piece of hope that he had left. Yeah, maybe he was torn between world domination or settling down with... Shelley starting a family, all of that jazz, mm. and she left. That option went. World domination. Yeah, I mean, what they say, what's more What's more powerful, what's more dangerous than a man who has everything? A man who has nothing to lose. Yes, and Salem Origins is a, <laughs> um, a spin-off show I would really love to see. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, That I'd would love, be awesome. Yeah, the origins of Salem, yeah, that would be great. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're back in the library, and Sabrina and Harvey are studying again. More relaxed this time because she refuses to let Rothwell get the better of her. Harvey comments on the size of his butt as well. Also, the fact that all of Mr. Rothwell's finances for his software company have all gone to pot. Oh. Not literal yeah. pot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. the only way I can cope with the all this way, algebra. The only way I can teach algebra is just get stoned. I think that happened to a lot of people who try and start their own business and <laughs> just end up getting stoned. Yeah. <laughs> But no, so yeah, not only is he forced to teach algebra for the rest of his life, but all of his money seems to have gone. Um, so the scene then finishes with the both of them singing... 
Shake your whammy fatty funky song, funky song. Shake your whammy fatty funky song. And then getting immediately shushed by the rest of her classmates, followed by a nice sort of just finishing yeah, 90s bass. During the credits, Salem is sobbing by the window, naturally. Um, Sabrina goes to check on him and insists that he will be happy again. He asks how on earth that could happen. She responds by making a huge ball of yarn. <laughs> so we learn that Salem, you know, he still sort of pines for his uh, his uh, human life and, you know, the, the people he knew and loved um, during that time. But at the end of the day, he's a cat and he can still be just sort of distracted from it all by, you know, feline pleasures like yes. yarn, catnip, things like that. Again, this is just, we still haven't clarified whether... Salem was turned into a cat or his consciousness was put into a cat because we've seen it he's now got a giant ball of yarn we saw him playing with uh, with all the wrapping paper and obviously had the catnip so it really does beg the question is Salem a cat or is his consciousness transferred into a cat or another because it doesn't explain the the cat like behaviors or a third option which is now is is the longest Salem is in the body of this cat he's gradually Becoming a cat. Yeah, becoming a tumor. Still, still, like, still like talking, still like all typical Salem, but is his psyche turning more feline? Maybe. Being in a body long enough? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, but then, yeah, it finishes by, by Sabrina asking, do you like it? He says, like it? I don't even remember her name. So, ball of yarn, and he's over his woes. Yeah, it just goes to show, to get over someone, all you need is a giant ball of yarn. That is the end of uh, episode 12, Trial by Fury. Graham, joy or fury over this episode? Um, joy for the most part. I really like the trial. I really like the performances everybody gave during it. The little subplot with Salem was fun. I, the image of a cat driving a miniature Lamborghini is one I will treasure <laughs> for the rest of my life. So yes, I did enjoy this episode. Good. Uh, Chris, what about uh, you? I'm going to go with the fact that I preferred watching the subplot than the actual plot. So the courtroom scene, it was just sort of they, they were just rehashing what, you know, they were taking, they were doing a mock mock take of yeah. what court dramas would be. But I much preferred Salem's storyline in this. Yeah. Where, like, like Graham said, the Lamborghini, the giant <laughs> ball of yarn, the attractive model girlfriend, the world domination, the mannequin, the sexy music, the candles, and I could have happily watched that as a twenty minute episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I think I would. Yeah. 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 Um, so. Uh, uh, so that that's what I thought of it, yeah. Yeah, I think I liked this episode um, because it showed sort of Hilda and Zelda getting easily irritated by something in Sabrina's life. They only want the best for Sabrina, and Sabrina's got to the point where she's met this nemesis as such and this teacher that's refusing to uh, to praise her and help her with school. And just because she's struggling, Hilda and Zelda chip in, realise that this man is up to no good, and so they, they be witches, proper witches for the first yeah. time. TV witches for the first time, and they uh, sort of help her do this thing. That I think the courtroom yeah, was funny and well presented. I, I enjoyed it, and um, yeah, particularly I think Salem as well. Salem's little yeah. I would like to have if if it was the other way around, where you mainly saw Salem's relationship, and you kept cutting back briefly to the courtroom. I think that yeah, probably could yeah. have been a better episode. I'm not saying it's the best it's been, but we I think we're away from that dip a tiny yeah, bit than what yeah. we suffered from the past um, we're coming out the three episodes now. or so yeah so we'll come back on the other side so all in all a quite a good ending for the uh, the, the first half the mid-season finale if you will yeah. of uh, season one 
And as always, every week, Chris, you are the rank master. This is where you uh, set the bar and tell us exactly how you want, wish to critique this episode, normally in a witty way. So, Chris, what would you give episode twelve, Trial by Fury? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something different today, chaps. What are you gonna do? Um, basically, I'm gonna break it down into the three sections. Okay. Because uh, at the end of the day. I feel like I need to explain what I'm gonna do now. Well, you you are a journalist as such now. You are you are reviewing a product. Yeah. So you do, you be as in depth as you need to be. So I'm gonna pitch the start of the episode at a at a five. Okay. You know, with the witchiness, we've moved on from what I have been doing the fours, and we've as you said, it showed the interest of Hilda and Zelda in Sabrina's yeah. life. So I'm pitching that at a five, a solid five, a good five. Is it a five out of five, or is it five out still of ten? Out of ten. Yeah. yeah, ten. Okay. Um, and then, and then, as it goes on, you know, it sort of drops a little bit when we go into the court scene. But the saving grace of it all, the saving grace of it all. Is the Salem storyline? Yeah, it's the mouthwash falling out of his mouth. It was <laughs> just so grim. Uh, and I'm I'm hitting up at an eight on that. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. So from that, I'm going to take an average of six. Okay, six watts. Ah, well that's where it comes interesting. Okay, it's going to be six trials out of fury. Six okay. trials out of fury. Okay, Graham, agree or disagree? Um, Court is in session. Court is in session. Oh, God, Phil. Um, in this episode, a cat drove a car. I can't say that enough times. <laughs> um, a cat drove a car, Salem spat mouthwash out. Um, and. <laughs> seven out of ten. Just uh, seven, uh, seven trials out of fury because. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Being seriously, yeah, Salem's part was good, possibly better than the main part, but I, I, I did I did really enjoy the performances in the trial. Yeah, just the fun little side characters like the um, like the writer, who you know he's only there very briefly, but I found him extremely entertaining. Seven, okay, I, I yeah I agree with everything you said. I've got nothing more to to add to that. So yeah, no, I'm, I I'd say the same. It's up sort of seven. Yeah, just. Salem. Cat, cat driving a car. <laughs> Just goes back to that. Um, so, boys, episode 13, next week's episode. Do you want to hear what it's about? Yes. Yeah, go on. It's called Jenny's Non Dream. Jenny's Non Dream. Indeed. Okay. And this one, Sabrina reluctantly invites Jenny to her house, only for her to enter the linen closet and end up at the mercy of Drell. How? Why the hell would she go into a linen closet? I don't know. I but... mean,. Chris, Chris, you always do this. You always ask questions. We've not watched the episode yet. Just wait till we watch it. And then we'll have the answers. But I like to get a little worked up before we watch this. The only thing I want to get worked up about is the clash of curly hair between Jenny and Drell. Will it get, <laughs> will it, will it get in a knot? Can they be separated? Who Who's got the best hair? It is just going to be an absolute frizz mess. Absolutely. So find out next week what happens to the hair of Penn Gillette and Michelle Boudoir. Um, so that was uh, so that's episode 13 in Title Jenny's Non-Dream, but that is for next week. So that's for this episode. Thank you very much for joining. As always, I've been your host and your guide through this magical journey, Phil Dean. Uh, to my right has been, through this entire episode, I believe, Chris Evans. Yeah, I really need a wee right now, mate. Oh, so uh, I'm just going to say... Bye, I'm running off. <laughs> and uh, to my left, as always, again, presumably for the whole episode, was Graham Riley. I love cats driving cars. <laughs> Especially Jaguars. However you choose to listen to this show, whether it be via Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud or iTunes, if you could be so kind, please leave us a comment and a review. Your support and inspiration will give this show meaning. Otherwise, we're just broadcasting to no one. And that's just sad. Also, why not subscribe? Then as soon as every episode hits the air, 
you'll get it downloaded straight away. How easy and, dare I say, magical is that? If you head to our Twitter page, at SabrinaWatch, you'll find links to each of our episodes, as well as quotes, pics and skits of our favourite moments as the series progresses. Whichever realm you're from, thank you once again for listening, and I hope you tune back in next week.